What's up, everybody? It's Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. The Power Rankings Show. I'm your host, Elliot Harrison, and I am pleased to be joined on this Thursday by the one and only, the uh, football savant. I don't know. That sounds weird. How about just at Marcus underscore Mosher? Hello. What's going on, Elliot? Got Thursday before we got a, a lot of football games this weekend. Get excited. Is it okay for me as a football fan to say I am overjoyed that there's not a game tonight? No, because I have the exact same feeling. Like I saw a tweet today about somebody, what are we going to do that we can't bet on football on Thursday? It's like, actually enjoy Thursday night. Yeah, enjoy Thursday night. Do something else. Uh, If you, you know, you can still watch football. You know, uh, you can, uh, Marcus has been watching uh, some college prospects, making notes. Uh, you can watch historical football if you want, you know, watch one of your favorite team's games from 10, 12 years ago. Uh, or if you're Marcus, watch Rolando McLean tape. Like there's all mm. sorts of things you can do uh, on Thursday night. I, I, we even have a movie uh, recommendation for you. We're going to yes. get to that. A um, couple football things first. First, what's on your mind? Uh, just want to say the NFL announced today that if the Bills and Chiefs were to happen to play in the AFC championship game, that game would be played at the Mercedes Superdome in Atlanta, and I hate it. That's all. I absolutely hate it. I know it's it's probably better for the teams. It'll be a dome. It'll get to show off the high-scoring offenses. I really wanted this game to be like in Pittsburgh or in Cleveland, not in a dome. Okay. Yeah, I don't like that either, but they want the climate control, offensive scoring fest. I know. Um, look, it's, it's also just- – just so far away from both teams, right? Yeah. Why not put it in a – and you're not going to find a perfect central location, but something a little bit closer than Atlanta. Because I, I, they, I, just, I feel bad for, like, Buffalo fans that would they obviously would have gone to the championship game. But if it was in Pittsburgh or Cleveland, I think they would have made the trip. Atlanta's probably too far. Also, like, what you know – they just don't want it, it. I don't understand. There's something about the ownership and the marketing arm of the NFL. They don't want weather factoring games anymore. They don't. The, and the it's why, just so Which dumb. I get. But why couldn't you put this game like in Detroit where Buffalo's already played this year? Isn't that a sure. little bit more of a central location? Sure. But, I mean, what's wrong with the elements, I get, you know, you're not going to give one team an advantage over the other. Both these no. teams play in outdoor stadiums, you yeah. know, like we sit here, and we celebrate the ice bowl and we celebrate the fog bowl, right? We celebrate these kinds of things. And you know, the, the snow games, the huge snow games, like remember Philadelphia, Detroit back in like 2013 and Buffalo played a, a game a few years ago and like a foot of snow. And we, we show the highlights of those and then celebrate them. And then we don't want anyone to play in them. By the way, <laughs> Get it. Yeah. I, I just watched uh, the Fog Bowl uh, this morning. You, it, I know it's crazy, but there was a highlights from uh, NFL primetime with Chris Berman doing the highlights. And that was the one I happened to watch on TikTok this morning. It was insane. I don't know how the Eagles were so good on offense in that game, just moving the ball up and down the field. Yeah. Well, the first half of that game was that was the 1988 divisional round. Yeah. And Philadelphia moved the ball, but then they got to the red zone and they had multiple drops. Keith Jackson dropped one. Mike Quick, uh, who I think is the Eagles color announcer now, uh, dropped one. 
and they just could not capitalize in the red zone against the really great Bears defense. And then they went in the second half and the fog rolled in. And the first half looks so different than oh, yeah. the second half. Well, um, and, and it's crazy. Berman and the primetime crew showed a shot of the end zone when a kickoff was coming, like to the mm-hmm. returner. And that was so funny because they literally couldn't see the ball until it bounced on the ground somewhere near them. Yeah. It's so cool. uh, like I said, I watched that game and, and uh, I remember I did not watch the first half and I, I joined the game for halftime. I was at my mom's and I put on the second half and I was like, Oh my gosh, what's going on with the fog? I was a kid. And then they showed the halftime highlight of like Randall Cunningham running and it's on a sunny field. And I'm like, what <laughs> is this the same game? You know, I was mm-hmm. so, so confused. Um, and also Vern Lundquist was on the call for that game. And I think yeah, he said, it's a beautiful, it was him and Bradshaw like, Hey, yeah. it's a beautiful day in Chicago soldier field. Great day for football. And it's like, yeah, you had no idea what was, yep. what was going to happen there. Yeah. That's a, that's a classic. See, that's something you could watch on Thursday night, everybody. But I have a couple of football things for you. Okay. Uh, we're going to start with a, a little trivia. Okay. okay. Uh, a little 2022 trivia. Nothing. Mm. Uh, don't worry. I'm not taking you back to 1942. I know how much you hate that. I'm going to give you a player's numbers, and I want you to tell me the player. You ready? Yeah. As you like to say, are you ready? Yes. This is since week 14. 68.5 completion percentage, actually 68.6, <clears throat> 11 touchdowns, two interceptions, 119 passer rating, and an 8.85 yards per attempt with, yeah, did I say 119 passer rating? And if you need a small hint, I'll give you one. The Brock Purdy. It's Brock Purdy. That is correct. <laughs> Yeah. Is that not amazing? So I looked at this yesterday. He leads all quarterbacks in passer rating since week 12. It's it's unbelievable. Just just unbelievable. I, I chose week 14 because that's when he got his first start. He actually played uh, week 13 quite a bit because that's the game he came in in the first Sorry, that's quarter. what I meant, since week 13 against Miami. Yeah. Yep. And his numbers are slightly lower because he threw an interception that week. Um, so his passer rating, if you include that week, like his passer rating on the season is, and I'm saying this kind of tongue in cheek is only 107.3. Um, you know, when your rating gets that high, like to 119, one interception brings you so far down, you know? Yeah. So the one pick he threw, and again, that week he got thrust into action. The worst thing you can have as a coach is to have your quarterback go down early in the first quarter. Because your backup has not practiced uh, knowing that he was going to play. And you didn't get any time with your starter. Would you agree with that? Do you know how many quarterbacks in the NFL this season had a pass rating of 107 or better? I don't. None. Not huh. a single one. It's just, it's it's really remarkable. Um, you know, I was watching that game live when he had to come in. And, and uh, I was so impressed with him. And his mobility is you know, been fantastic for them. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I was just blown away uh, by those numbers. So uh, he doesn't have like a lot of rushing yards. I don't mean that when I say his mobility. Yeah, um, but being able to move around the pocket, and make throws on the run and that kind of stuff, right? Right, right. Um, either way, man, uh, great season I, for Brock Purdy. I, I, I do kind of feel bad for him 
a little bit, right? Because if he was on any other team, he would be the story of the season right now, right? Yeah. You know, winning your first six starts, putting up the numbers that he has. But because he plays in Kyle Shanahan's offense, everybody's, oh, well, it's Shanahan. That's not Purdy. He can make any quarterback look good. That's not the case. Go look at Kyle Shanahan before Jimmy Garoppolo got there, and Nick Mullins was terrible, and C.J. Beathard, and they were bad. So, yes, he can make quarterbacks maybe look a little better than they are. But I, I personally feel like Brock Purdy's not getting enough credit for just how awesome he's been this season. No, I think Cooper Rush got more credit than Brock Purdy. I 100% agree. Uh, did, and, and I'm a big fan of Cooper Rush, much more than yourself. <laughs> but even I can acknowledge that Cooper Rush didn't play near at this level. Um, you know, so uh, either way, I mean, if you're getting four or five wins from your backup quarterback, I don't care who it is, that's a success. I still remember, you know, just, just a couple of years ago, Teddy Bridgewater came in for Drew Brees, and didn't they win like six straight? With uh, Teddy B, kind of same, similar yep. situation, uh, he uh, Drew Brees got hurt really early in a game against the Rams. The difference there is Teddy Bridgewater is a former first-round pick who had been in the league for several years. This is Mister Irrelevant, and it's his first year in the league. Uh, you know, it's just um, just remarkable. Okay, I've got a mini power ranking for you. Okay, okay. little mini power rankings, just a top five. But. Uh, I saw a Ross Tucker tweet. My favorite tweets this week are uh, Ross Tucker's tweet about coaches of the year um, and Marcus's Rolando McLean fetish. Those are my favorite tweets. And uh, Ross Tucker was like, oh my gosh, there's so many great candidates for coach of the year. And it's really remarkable how many different ways you could go. So I ranked them. So this is my top five in descending order. Okay. Uh, Number five, I'm going to go with the aforementioned Kyle Shanahan. To lose your starting quarterback you pre- prepared the whole offseason for in week one, uh, then to lose your insurance plan uh, quarterback, who I'm not sure even felt like he was going to be there, and you make it work, <clears throat> and then to have all the injuries they did early in the mm-hmm. year, and then to get Brock Purdy ready to play, uh, I think he's number five. Any problem with this so far? Nope, not at all. Shanahan's one of the best coaches in the league, so I'm glad that he always gets mentioned in this. Uh, Number four, I'm going to go – I just switched it around in my head. Number four, I'm going to go with Doug Peterson. To take Mm. over a team that had a culture that was rancid at this point, maybe not with the players, but with the former coach. And you got to think, even though those Jags players were happy to get a fresh start, you're going to be a little skeptical. When you get a new coach after you dealt with what you did the year before and, you know, uh, has Doug Peterson kind of, is he a has been, so to speak, maybe some of them felt that way. I think there's no question. Trevor Lawrence took a step forward this year. Uh, The Jags are in the playoffs. They were awful last year. How long has it been since this team has been relevant? Um, I would say it's a, you know, I know the 2017 Jags team made it the championship. I felt like that was a little bit of an aberration. I actually like the 2007 Jags team better than this one, the one that beat Pittsburgh. I know you have fond memories of that. Any issues with Doug Peterson at four? Nope. He he did exactly what everybody was hoping we could do. Make Trevor Lawrence better, make the offense more functional, actually win games. They won the division. I don't know how you can't have him inside your top five. Number three, I'm going Sean McDermott. Uh, You know, it's really easy to take him for granted because the bills are good. But you detailed on our podcast last week how many different things just went awry for them logistically this year. Yeah. 
if you've ever dealt with head coaches, the one thing they want is schedule. They want schedule, routine. They want a structure in place for their players so their players have to think less and can react more, right? Yes. How many of those things were disrupted before the DeMar Hamlin situation ever even happened? And then the way he handled DeMar Hamlin, the way they played last week, um, I just think it's easy to take a coach for granted when their team has been really good for several years. And not to mention, they went into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm 100 percent good with that one. Uh, number two, I think this this one was easy for me. It's Brian Dable. If you don't have Brian Dable somewhere near your top, I I don't know how you don't. He's at number two on my list. So we're good here. Yeah, uh, you know, the Giants last year were not good. There were some publications that thought. And even Vegas, I think, thought they would be better this year and compete. Uh, But a lot of that was because of the arrival of Brian Dable. And uh, I think Daniel Jones has been a more effective player under his tutelage. I think the really sneaky part of Brian Dable's uh, uh, tenure with New York is a lot of times what your assistants can do under you and the guys you bring in say a lot about you as a head coach. So you actually win a lot of your coaching, I think, and the guys that you hire and in the offseason. How over their heads has the Giants defense played at times this year where they really didn't have the personnel coming into the year? If you put their defensive personnel on paper, wouldn't you say they were a bottom 10 in the league? Yeah, easily. Easily. Uh, And they have kept them in games. I'm not saying they've been great. I'm not saying they've been great, but they've kept them in games. Um, Yeah, that's my number two. And they've beaten some pretty good teams along the way. Um, Now they've gotten blown out by a few teams that are better than but they're just it's just a severe lack of talent but the fact that they're in the playoffs it's super incredible they went nine seven and one they didn't even try to win their last game they probably wouldn't have but still who cares went nine seven and one and they're in a division where there's not a losing team the worst team in your division is eight eight and one um, and you're making the playoffs you're doing something right and it's been a while since the giants have been in the playoffs i might add Uh, So the Giants are my next team. Uh, Excuse me, Brian Dable is my number two. My number one, this might surprise you, but after really thinking it through, I kept trying to push this guy farther down the list, and I just couldn't do it. It's Pete Carroll. That's that's why I have it number one. I don't know how you could pick anybody else. I was looking at win totals today. Their win total going into the season was five. The only team that had a lower win total than them was the Texans. You mean an expected win total? Yeah, expected win total. Um. Pro Football Focus ranked the rosters going into the season. They were 31, only ahead of the Texans, and they're in the playoffs. Hey, I'm going to tweet this little list out. Uh, so if you guys have any uh, disagreement, by all means, uh, let me know, because uh, I would love to hear you guys take. Um, but I would just say that in my mind, to go 9-8 and eight with the personnel they had, with people saying you're kind of done, being derided a little bit, uh, the whole let Russ cook thing from the fan base and to not only have the conviction to say, to work with the GM and say, I think we can do this, but to help turn Geno Smith's career around along with Geno Smith turning his career around yep. and getting those guys to play. And that Seahawks defense is played a little bit better. You know, early in the year they beat Detroit, but Detroit scored 40 something on them. Um, I'm not saying Seattle's defense is good. I'm not saying that. I just think, kind of like the Giants, at times they played over their heads this year. I agree. Um, we had the same top three, by the way. The only name that I had 
different in there, and you're going to think it's dumb, but Brandon Staley. Can I make the case? I, yeah, go ahead. Um, this was a very top-heavy team going into the season, right? Like, we knew they had, like, eight awesome players, and the rest of the roster was bad. And they won 10 games this year, um, and really they, they lost the last game of the season, um, which, whatever. But they they lost Rashawn Slater in week one. They lost uh, Joey Bosa in week one. Bosa didn't come back until week 17. Slater didn't come back. J.C. Jackson got hit, hurt in week uh, – he got hurt in the preseason – uh, got hurt in week two, never played the rest of the season. Keenan Allen missed the first nine games of the season. Most of the time, if you lose four all-pro players like that, you're just not coming back from that. And they did. They they stuck around. And now I think they're one of the most dangerous teams in the playoffs. I think my issue, besides the week 18 debacle we talked about, is J.C. Jackson shouldn't have played in the game he got hurt in in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I called that out. Remember at the I time do. on yep. the podcast – before he got hurt, I said, why play a guy like this? You know, wasn't that a Thursday night game that they made him play against Kansas yeah, City? Yeah, because they played. Remember, they didn't play on Sunday. He didn't play in week one, but he played in week two, which is that Thursday game against the Chiefs. Ugh. Anyway, yeah, so uh, I just my, – my two top honorable mentions were Nick Sirianni. I don't think you cannot mention Nick Sirianni. Sure. I mean, come on. You know, they – And if we're going to say who's coach of the year and a half, it's Nick Sirianni because he changed what he was doing. As we've talked about in the middle of 2021, there was a time when this team and this head coach got a standing ovation for a three yard Miles Sanders run because they weren't running the ball. And he changed that around. And then Dan Campbell, Uh, Dan Campbell, you and I said early in the season, we're like, he's got to find a way to win these close games that they're losing. And they did. And yeah, I think he kind of screwed up on Thanksgiving against the Bills. Maybe he's still kind of learning some of the tactical and management stuff. But in terms of getting your players to play for you and getting your team ready to play, uh, I think he's got to at least be mentioned. I agree. Anybody else? I mean, can we – Andy Reid every year just doesn't get enough credit and his team uh, wins I, 13 games every year, 14 games you know, every Zach, year. Zach Taylor uh, sure. doesn't, get a, doesn't get a lot of respect. Um, you know, I even think Mike Vrabel getting Josh Dobbs ready to play, uh, yeah. getting the team ready. I thought they made their smart move against the Cowboys, resting their guys. And look mm-hmm. how hard they played that night. Like we, we were kind of being unfair. We kept talking about the Cowboys playing lousy on Thursday night. How about just admitting that the Titans depth they played, played so really well, their head. Yeah. especially the defensive line, uh, in that game. Um, so, uh, anyway, that's my list. My final football thought before we get to Marcus's big, big thoughts is um, there was a tweet going around yesterday about it being the anniversary of the 1986 uh, AFC championship, the drive, which is the famous Elway drive that you guys have all seen kind of cemented his legend. He took um, the Broncos to the Super Bowl. The other game that day was the Giants and Redskins. They played the NFC championship uh, that year. And I posted a little video of, Pat Summerall doing some <laughs> promo reading on Twitter. It's fun. But I just decided to rewatch the 1986 playoffs. So I started with the wild cards. I'm not, I'm not sitting on my couch watching the whole game, but I just put it on, you know, like while I'm cleaning, while I'm doing other things. And uh, it's been really, really fun. And I highly recommend it. So uh, I can tell you guys, like for those of y'all that are a little bit younger, the 2014 playoffs were amazing. Um, that it was uh, 
the Dallas Detroit game, the Des caught it game, an incredible playoff game between Baltimore and new England Mm -hmm. Uh, in new England. The NFC championship was phenomenal Uh, that year. That was um, green Bay and Seattle where Seattle Seattle had to make a huge Marshawn Lynch, man, vintage uh, Marshawn Lynch game. Trying to remember who new England beat in the AFC championship in 24. Oh, that was the (laughs) deflated footballs game. That one wasn't as good. Yeah. yeah, but uh, point being, some really, really great, great games. It was great playoffs, so that might be one. And it's it's really fun to do to kind of relive that when you don't have any football on and just uh, doing stuff. So anyway, I don't know. Do you have a postseason that kind of sticks in your memory as, man, that was really good? That's a good one because I was rooting for Seattle so hard against the Packers. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I was, also, <laughs> was also rooting for New England to beat the Ravens uh, in the divisional round. So uh, I can remember exactly where I was for both of those games. I have very fond memories of that. The Broncos Patriots played on Saturday, I believe. And then the obviously the Packers Seahawks game. That was a Sunday late afternoon game. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, the, the game I really remember. I mean, obviously the Dez caught it game was a big game. But the game that I really remember from that postseason was the Baltimore Patriots game. It was wild swings. There were uh, weird plays. We had weird, the, plays, uh, weird formations. Yeah. Did you have uh, Edelman to Amendola? Edelman to Amendola. Yep. And then didn't they come out with that weird offensive line formation? Yeah. The the, the tight end eligible or not eligible, right? Now, I'm trying to remember my other. So I think the Colts played the Broncos in the other divisional round. And uh, Andrew Luck and company beat the Broncos uh, in Denver. And then the other NFC divisional round, not the Dallas Green Bay. Who did Seattle beat that year? Ugh. Was it Carolina? It, it Seattle was Carolina, Carolina 31 to 17. Yep. Yeah. Wasn't that the game where, where Cam Chancellor leaped twice over the yep. <laughs> to, to block the field goal? Yeah, the uh, the wild cards I think was Carolina and Arizona, and it was played in like this foggy kind of mist. And the Cardinals had to start. If I remember, I think it was Ryan Lindley because they had so many injuries. Sixteen to twenty-eight for eighty-two yards. Yikes! Dallas played Detroit in the other NFC wild card. Great the game. AFC wild cards. Ugh, what were those? Oh, you have them up. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I get the, it. 2014. Oh, cookies. Wasn't Pittsburgh in there? Um, I got it. So I'd have to look at the playoffs of that year. 2014. Cause the Colts Colts had to beat somebody. Did the Colts beat the Texans that year? I am. So Steelers and Ravens played in one of the games. It was a game where, um, Flacco just kind of went nuts. Okay. Okay. And then the... The other game was Indy-Cincinnati. Indy-Cincinnati, that's right. That was a boring game. The uh, Pittsburgh-Ravens game, that's when Pittsburgh didn't have any running backs healthy. And I think they had to sign like Ben Tate or somebody the week of the game. Josh Harrison, Ben Tate. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, Anyway, that was a good... And then the Super Bowl. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal Super Bowl. One of the top five Super Bowls ever. So there's our little idea. That's my, all my football thoughts for our podcast. Now it's where we take a hard, hard left turn. Marcus? 
we we go inverted a little bit here. We're going to talk about oh, no. Top Gun, baby. So just a little back back uh, story here. So my wife and I sat down to watch Top Gun, which happened to be my dad's favorite movie of all time, and I had never seen it. So we watched the top the original Top Gun from 1986 uh, on the day that he died. Uh, this was like a week ago, and I was pumped because I. Had, I've obviously heard a lot about it and all this kind of stuff. So I was, it was absolutely amazing, but I have, I have some questions about the movie when it came out uh, and some probably unanswerable questions. So remind you, I've not seen the new one yet. I have questions for you before you ask your questions. Yeah. Number one, did you not ever have any spoiler all these years? Like you really didn't know anything that was going to happen in the movie at all. Nothing. You didn't I, know I Goose think, was going to die. Nothing. So I think probably in hindsight I did, but I kind of, once I started watching the movie, I kind of forgot. But I mean, you watch a half an hour in this movie and you know what it's leading to, right? Yeah. Spoiler so, alert, Goose, uh, everybody, yeah, I think, in case yeah. you haven't seen it. Did I'm the you last make an America not to see Top Gun, so. Did you make an event out of it? Like, I mean, what did you guys like make some spinach artichoke dip in a bread bowl? I mean, you know, did you just watch so I this? With my, like, I went you know. with my usual movie snack, which is a cherry Coke and pretzels. My wife made some popcorn uh, and had a cherry Coke. So we, it no was, movie it was nachos, no pizza. No we, we did order pizza. We uh, ordered pizza from our little uh, local place that's by our house. I uh, made What's a whole order. What's the What's order? That? What's the order? I got to know all the details. So it was my here. wife's turn to pick. Uh, so she went with sausage and onions, uh, large pizza, uh, well done pizza, which is basically just they put it in like a time and a half to make it extra crispy. So interesting. All right. Interesting choice uh, from the missus. Okay. I don't, I don't I don't know how I feel about the one. I, I think it's, you know, mediocre. Tell her it's 16th yeah, in the power rankings. It's fine. I, I, I'm yeah. still a pepperoni and green pepper fan, but. Oh, that's uh, fantastic. Got to have the onions though, but go ahead. Right. Please resume. First question. Just a general 80s question because you were like 30 at this time. Uh, is this the way that everybody <laughs> talked in the 80s? Like this, this cheesy? <laughs> Can you give me an example? <laughs> I mean, like, one of the one of the quotes is, uh, "I've got the need, the need for speed." Out. Yeah, um, yeah, man. You know, it, it's. I would say yes, but it was a little bit on steroids. Like, <laughs> I think I'll tell you a movie that kind of nails how young people talk, or it's pretty. It's another cheesy movie, but Footloose is probably a little closer to how. Um, Although, man, you know, look, if you want to really know how 80s teens were in an action flick, you got to go Red Dawn with Patrick Swayze. Uh, you know, that now if you're just going like what were 80, you know, what were like 80s teens like in general, I'd go Risky Business. Yeah, uh, it's another yeah. fantastic one. But um, hey, man, right. uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, some of the dialogue is amazing in Top Gun. Like some uh, of it's I'm, absolutely awful, which means me to my next question. What's your favorite quote in Top Gun? <laughs> well, for me, it's uh, it's a little more unintentional comedy. It's when Tom Cruise goes over to uh, Tom Skerritt's house because he's quit, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, he starts looking at pictures on the wall and see Tom Skerritt flew with Tom Cruise's dad. And so Tom Cruise wants to know, you know, what happened with my dad? Did he do it right? And Tom Skerritt's like, what I'm about to tell you is highly classified. And then he goes, 
there were bogeys in the sky everywhere. And <laughs> he says, your dad, you know, somebody shot your dad down. And he goes, yeah, he did it right. And that's it. There's no details. There's no, no, nothing. You know, that's what was highly qual- uh, classified was there were bogeys in the sky everywhere. Uh, my favorite quote is when Maverick and Iceman are talking to each other in the locker room. And Iceman's, it, I'll read you the quote. You're everyone's problem. That's because every time you go up in the air, you're unsafe. And I don't like you because you're dangerous. And then Maverick goes, that's right, Ice Man. I am dangerous. That's right. And he's like brushing the stuff off his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. I am dangerous. Did you ever see Airplane? Of course. Quick, quick little digression from Top Gun. There's a scene in Airplane where Stryker, the main guy, is making out with his girlfriend on the beach and he's telling her that he has to go away. And she goes, well, what, you know, what, what are you going to do? He goes, we're going to fly in underneath the cloud cover, bomb their oil factories. He, he lays out the entire mission. And then she goes, but when will you be back? I can't tell you that. It's classified. <laughs> Tells her the whole mission. Yeah, just reminded me of it. Okay, speaking so of, more questions. Yeah. Speaking of making out, was this the worst kissing slash sex scene ever in a movie? Ever? It's so bad. They have this blue light. It just makes it so weird looking. I I don't want to get too graphic here, but my gosh, that was very hard to watch. Was it the licking? I think it was the licking. Yeah, it just, I don't know. It's, it's gross. You know, what was interesting about that or funny about that is my dad was pretty much a, you know, guy's guy, whatever you, my dad played baseball and, and uh, grew up in a small town and all that stuff. And, you know, my dad generally took us to like action movies and comedies. Okay. My dad did not take us to go see film noir, you know, that just, but when we walked out of Top Gun, I do distinctly remember my dad saying, what was that song and that scene with him and, and uh, Kelly McGillis? I really, boy, I really liked that song. My dad went and bought the tape for Take My Breath Away by Berlin. That's the name of the band that uh, yeah. sang that. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about Maverick and uh, Kelly McGillis' character in this movie because I I don't believe they have any chemistry at all. And in fact, I'm not even convinced that she likes him at all. I just think she, she's so interested in uh, the MIGs, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think there's maybe some legitimate reasons why she didn't seem too interested in him. <laughs> um, is it the fact that the... she's like seven feet taller than he is? <laughs> uh, sure. Sure. Um, I would also say that, that, um, you know, they had to go back and what was it you that was telling yep. me this, that they had to go back, go ahead, tell that story. Yeah, so I didn't know this. Th- there was uh, the the scene where they're in the elevator together, mm-hmm. right? It looks like they just want to eat each other's face. Uh, they had to actually go back and shoot that scene six months after filming wrapped up because in the test audiences, they didn't believe that they actually liked each other and had any chemistry. So they went back and filmed that. But if you watch that scene, Tom Cruise has like a towel on his shoulders, but you can still see that his hair is way longer for the next movie that she's uh, that he's filming. And Kelly McGillis has different hair, and she's a little bit heavier 
in, in that scene than she was in a couple of the other ones. So it's wild. What would have been his next movie? It would have either been it's Color of Money. Or The Color of Firm. No, no. The Color of Money, yes. Excuse yeah, me. The Firm was 93, but I think it was Color of Money. And then after the Color of Money, money. I, think it was the, uh, I think it was Cocktail after that. Um, yeah, I, I know the exact scene you're talking about. You know, as a screenwriter, uh, a lot of times you write a screen uh, screenplay and then other writers that read it for you to give you feedback will tell you like, hey, I don't feel like you have enough scenes between these two people to either have this much animosity or this much, you know, lust or love or whatever the heck. Um, But the way they were licking, uh, I might call it lust. Yeah. Um, Uh, All right. Here you go. I got some more. You ready? It reminded me that scene, the licking, it reminded me of Meet Joe Black when Brad Pitt really likes peanut butter. Remember that? He goes in the kitchen. (laughs) Did you see that movie? I did. It's a great cop. Yeah, and he's that's what he's fascinated with was peanut butter. He's the angel of death. Uh, by the way, spoiler alert: if you haven't seen Meet Joe Black, he's the angel of death in that movie. Um, Sorry. Okay, go ahead. All right, next one. Why did he throw Goose's dog tags into the uh, the ocean? I, you know, I never wondered that until my thirty fifth viewing of that movie, and I then I started to think of that too. But it was his way of saying I got to let go. Yeah, but you don't think like his wife would like those dog tags or like his future son would like those dog tags. It's a movie, Marcus. <laughs> I, well, I'm just saying it was never thinking about anybody else, but himself at that point. No, that's, that's my biggest flaw is that Maverick. And that's why his name is perfect for him. Right. Is he only ever thinks about himself. Not necessarily a great guy. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you have a, did you have a, or do you have more questions? Or did, I've got or, a lot more. Or, you yeah, okay. Please. <laughs> Let's yeah. go rapid fire. Yeah. Uh, any chance that Maverick and Meg Ryan just get together after Goose Goose uh, dies, and obviously this relationship with Kelly McGillis just uh, fades out? I mean, yes, it's it's uh, obviously it's possible. I mean, Meg Ryan was just totally different than you know she was like super tan. I think her hair was you know. But they're good uh, friends. Like I said, yeah. I, I told you this on the phone. There's a there's a scene where they're singing "Great Balls of Fire," right, and they're day drinking. Yeah. And Tom Cruise kind of has his arm around Meg Ryan. They together they have more chemistry there than the entire Kelly McGillis, uh, all, all of her scenes combined. So there's no chance that those two just get together. I don't. Man, I, and by the way, I was you know Meg. I was just pointing out that Meg Ryan looked totally different and sleepless in Seattle than she did in Top yes. Gun. But uh, I think what we're getting is a little bit of therapy here for Marcus. I think one of Marcus's boys might have moved in on his girl. No, like I just, was, did this happen? Were y'all no, at a bar and get, Meg Ryan, one of your Tom, friends? No, they had a they had a very traumatic moment together. Sometimes that bonds people together. Did one of your friends date a girl after y'all broke up that you and no, dated? That's fine. I look. I know there's not a lot to do out there, you know. And I mean, it's not a big you know, deal. It's fine. It's not my fault. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> uh. Couple where more. are you gonna? I mean, where are you gonna meet people? You know, yeah, exactly. You got you got no Whole Foods, no place to get avocado ice cream out there. Where are you gonna meet people? No Top no, Golf. This might be a West Coast question because I know in the yeah. East Coast this is, does not happen. But why in the shower scene where they're all they're all hanging out by the shower? First of all, they just they were just got done dog fighting, right? And there's only one shower for all of these top uh, dog fighters. Like why? 
why are they all just hanging out in a super hot, steamy shower room in towels just talking to each other? I mean, you know, look, sometimes like when you're, you know, and you play sports and you're in a locker room or whatever, and you're just kind of getting dressed or whatever, that's kind of the only time that you guys are like all together other than practice or whatever. So you gossip. That's the gossip time. Yeah, but there's a lot of close talking with guys just in towels, though. That's that's the part that bothered me a little bit. Like, just go put go put shorts and a T-shirt on and then we'll we'll chat. Marcus, if men's nudity uh, bothers you a, a little bit, I, you know, at this point, you know, I mean, I'm surprised that bothered you more than the, well, I guess they didn't have sunless tanner in 1986, but uh, I'm surprised you haven't gotten to that part yet. Well, since you're talking that's, about that's men's bodies so much. Yeah. The volleyball seed. Okay. <laughs> I've got just a, a lot of questions. So first of all, did they oil these guys up before they did volleyball? Absolutely. That's ba- uh, that's baby oil. Use baby, baby oil, oil for that. Yep. Yep. Have baby oil is the oldest trick anybody, in the book. Have you ever seen anybody in your life check their watch with both hands above their like ab- above their chest, basically, to flex to see what time it is? No, but I'll get you want some fun, fun movie facts here. The guy that does that, I think his call sign was Wolfman, I want to say. I can't remember what his call sign was. Did you ever see Wolfman. Terminator? Yeah, first uh, Terminator. Yep. Um if we're talking about the same guy, the first Terminator movie, when the Terminator shows up at Sarah Connor's apartment, Sarah Connor's not there. But her roommate and her boyfriend are. And her boyfriend, he Terminator comes in the room and her boyfriend grabs the lamp, goes don't make me bust you up, man. That's the dude that looks at, at his uh, watch in the volleyball scene with both arms. Yeah. Same guy. Uh, he was also in a movie you, with Steve Martin called Roxanne. Uh, but go ahead. Never seen it. Um, Decent comedy. I, I, I just, I need to know the whole backstory to this. So first I did do a little bit of research because it's me. Um, they have all this sand out there to make a volleyball court, but instead they brought in sand and made a, you know, a fake volleyball court uh, near the studio. Um, how tall do you think that net was? Because if they need to make Tom Cruise look like he's like towering over the net when he's jumping and spiking, was it yeah. five foot tall? I mean, there's, you know, that what used to be such a thing. It's, it's so funny, man, the obsession with men's heights. Like literally if you go on Bumble <laughs> or, or a dating site you, there I'm, i mean look i've seen it myself there's so many girls that want to know how tall the guy is or that list their height it's just such a thing you know i, I don't know if maybe men ask for women's heights i doubt it but i i have no idea that maybe they do uh but i just the obsession with height and especially and the on the west coast is do they have that in the on the east coast like an oh, yeah. obsession yeah. with height I'm sure. um so yeah, they you know the idea of a man being shorter. I like. I'm still amazed when I watch Back to School. I know you love that movie. How much shorter is the lead guy in Back to School oh. than the his love interest? Three yeah. inches at, at least. least. At least. Um, yeah, far and away, Tom Cruise starred with future wife Nicole Kidman. Pretty sure Nicole Kidman's taller than Tom Cruise oh, yeah. as well. But it's so rare that you uh, see that. Sorry for the Bumble references. If you no, guys have brand loyalty to Hinge and to our female <laughs> listeners, I don't know. Are you? Uh, am I wrong? Or you, you guys care about height? I'm. I'm, I'm curious. But I have well, a question for you ahead. about that scene. 
So I, I had a girl tell me like, okay, yeah, right. Like Tom Cruise is going to go on a date with her right after he just, you know, played volleyball and got all sweaty and oily. Yes, and okay. I was like, let's talk about this. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, so I used to play flag football and go right after the game. So my guess is they were that. playing best of five, go to 15. Right. And he yeah. left when the score was two to two, like the game score was two to two. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's already late to the date. Why not just take another 10 minutes and finish the game? Uh, well, I mean, this doesn't, this is not a surprising take coming from you who prioritizes football all over all relationships in your life. He's already late. And then the first thing that he does when he gets to her house, which by the way, that house is probably worth like 20 million. She's got yeah. this like super yeah. nice house. Uh, he's like, I, I just got to go jump in the shower. Right. So why? Yeah. Uh, who cares if you're 35 minutes late? Finish the game. This is your. These are your arch rivals and your your biggest competitors. You can't just duck out when the it's two to two. I'm sorry, I you lost me at 20 million because I can't hear you say the words 20 million without me thinking of. But at least it's better the 20 million. Uh, <laughs> I'm just. It's not like they were going to a dinner. They had reservations. And he couldn't be a little bit late. She was literally making a salad when when he got there. So finish the game, go to her house, take a shower, and then do whatever. Did you, you like? Did it pull on your heartstrings? What happened with Goose? A little bit, but I I, I started to laugh in that next scene when um oh I'm trying to remember who tells tells uh, Maverick that Goose died, and it was just such an awkward scene. Uh, Tom Skerritt. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's he's in the shower. He's like, "Hey, how you doing? Goose is dead. I know." Yeah. So yeah, of course he knows. He was in the in the water with him. Yep. Yeah. Uh, some great actors in that movie, though, man. I mean, Val Kilmer is is great in that movie, and Val Kilmer's great in just about anything he's ever done. Tom Skerritt's fun. Of course, you guys all remember Tom Skerritt from his cameo in Ted. Uh, then there's uh, uh, Michael Ironside who is the jet pilot they find in Red Dawn when they're up there living in the mountains. Michael Ironside plays Viper, or he's the one that they're going against, go below the hard deck. Did you like all the flying uh, scenes oh, and that kind awesome. of stuff? Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah, uh, and that's what really made this movie. Uh, Tim Robbins, you didn't even mention? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. This is before he climbed through 500 yards of uh, sewage to get his freedom. Yeah. Um, so Kelly McGillis, though, man, I got to give her credit. She was in one of my favorite uh, suspense kind of movies ever called Witness, which takes mm. place in Amish country with Harrison Ford. That is an amazing movie. Uh, if you if you just look into uh, watch an older movie, it's from like 1985. That is a great, great movie. My question, other question for you with Top Gun is, um, by the way, I liked all the guys that played like the Migs. Because you don't know what country they are, they just have black okay. visors on. They all, you know, it's all like Natron means in a mm-hmm. in a cockpit, you know, with their their, <laughs> their black visor, you know. Uh, Natron means. Remember, he used to wear. Wasn't it he that wore the uh, visor? Yeah, visor and massive back position. Pad. Yes, yes. Natron means business. Uh, there's a Chris Berman. Um, but here's my question for you about Top Gun. Better than X. Worse than why? Give me two movies. 
mm. action movies. Better than X, worse than Better y. than Total Recall. Okay. Do you agree with Good that? Pull. Uh, I do, actually. I do. I think a lot of people would disagree with you on that, though, I will say, because mm. there is a there's some total recall truthers out there. Um, but. OK, worse than I'm trying to think of some good action movies. Um, OK, I'll just how about I throw out a few. Sure. Okay? Go ahead. But it has to be clearly worse, not yes. like same uh, predator. Oh, I like Top Gun better. OK, Terminator. I like Top Gun better. Uh, the Transporter. Never seen that one. Okay. <laughs> um, any of the Bond, the recent spate of Bond movies? Mm. Yeah, I think so. I, I do like the Bond movies, but I think that was better. Mission Impossible, the first one. Definitely better. Definitely. Wow. I'm not a big Mission Impossible fan. Okay. Okay. Man, oh, man. I, th- I told you, all I right. really I'll like it. I'll give you a tough one. I'll give you a tough one. Maybe the greatest action flick of all time. Uh, certainly up there, Die Hard. Yes, better. Better than Die Hard. Now, the, the one that I would say my personal favorite action movie, if you can count it as an action movie, is Fight Club. Um, not as good as Fight Club. Mm, I'd call that a drama, but uh, let me give you one more. This is not my favorite movie. There are a lot of people that think this is a top five action movie of all time, if not like top two or three. Lethal Weapon. Which Lethal Weapon? The first one. But Lethal Weapon 1 and 2 are extremely popular Which is the one with diplomatic immunity. Tell you another one, The Fugitive. Uh, That's another great action movie. Not as good as The Fugitive. Probably one of my favorite action movies of all time. Yeah. Okay, well, this is high. This is really high praise. I, I told you, I, I had nitpicks about it, but it's, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's why I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. By the way, I didn't mention Terminator 2 because I think Terminator 1 is a better movie, but I'm probably in the minority on that. But uh, I like the rawness of the original uh, Terminator. Does Rocky uh, count as an action movie? Wow. Um, I don't know. Does it? You talking about the it first Rocky? A, I think it's probably a drama, right? I'm, yeah, I'm googling probably. it right now. Yeah, Rocky Four would definitely be a be an action Fort flick. Drama, and don't yeah, please don't please don't compare it to Rocky Four because I already no, know where that's headed. Rocky Four. Uh, any other final thoughts that you have on uh, t- uh, Top Gun? Uh, you have no, to admit, I Goose's just, character is pretty doggone good, though. Yeah. Why wasn't Iceman just the Top Gun? Like he was the coolest. He was the safest. Uh, he was also a little bit dangerous. I, he should have just been Top Gun. If if you reverse the roles and you make uh, Val Kilmer the good guy in the movie, I think I like it more. What makes you think Val Kilmer wasn't the Top Gun? Maybe he was. But uh, Marcus has not seen Top Gun Maverick yet, and I've been trying to encourage him before it's totally gone for the theaters because they brought it back to the theaters to go see it with his wife and go on a date yes. night. Somebody please tweet Marcus and tell him that he needs to see it tomorrow, on the big screen. It's not the same. Yes. Tomorrow. I think we're going out to a really, really nice classic restaurant and then going to go Sonic. see no, Olive Garden. Uh, uh, it should be Sonic. a lot of fun. Did you ever get Olive Garden to commit to come out to uh, – didn't you – weren't you all over them? Or was Olive, it someone else? I'm a big Olive Garden fan, so – it might have been a different restaurant, Applebee's or somebody you were uh, all well, over. Well, yeah, we're big Red Lobster fans, so. 
Yeah, you bet. You bet. Uh, the biscuits, right? So oh, there you go. Biscuits, Man, I hadn't been to Sonic though in years, so I need to do that. But I, th- I think, listen, I think we've gone so far off the path. We're good. If you're a major football fan, you're really disappointed uh, oh, yeah. with us right now. But we had to do this. Marcus, had if never you're a seen major Top movie Gun. fan, you're probably disappointed as well. <laughs> you're right, right. Um, I, I already asked your final thought, so I think it's we time we've got to go. But one quick message for everybody. Really appreciate the people that have left us reviews and rated our podcast. Uh, it's very helpful. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, uh, really appreciate you guys. want you to really enjoy your wild card weekend. You can follow Marcus, by the way, Locked On Cowboys. He hosts that with Landon McCool. Landon McCool never comes on and does movie reviews with us. I can tell you that. Marcus covers the Raiders for USA Today. He also writes for Pro Football Focus. You can find him at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. I'm at Harrison NFL on Twitter. We really appreciate you guys, and we will talk to you next week. Take care, everybody.